Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alessandro Senator. Alessandro, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Kyle. Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty great. Just uh, getting through these team-by-team episodes, and uh, actually we're doing a team-and-team episode, because we're going to combine both the Minnesota Vikings and the Indianapolis Colts into one episode. Part of that is, you know, time constraints. We are getting to the end of the week and want to get these out for people to hear. But also because Sam Smith, our guest today, uh, is both very well versed on both the Vikings and the Colts. I know, Sam, you're the Vikings, uh, the full press coverage Vikings managing editor. And you're also really heavily involved with the just the full press coverage NFL in general. So you're really well connected and you know the Colts quite well. So, Sam, thank you for coming on. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we again, we appreciate, uh, you know, someone who is so well versed in the NFL to come on and and talk about these teams. And we have a lot to get to with the Colts. So let's let's start with the Vikings, just because I feel like there's a little bit less to unpack there. Uh, Now, Alessandro, you had a question concerning Adam Thielen, right? I did. Uh, Well, I have a lot of questions concerning a lot of guys, but the biggest one is Adam Thielen. Um, Now, when looking at the Vikings, you know, you guys have a. A Motley Crew cast, I would say. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's putting it lightly. You, you got a good quarterback with Kirk Cousins. Um, and then once you get into the actual depth chart, when you're actually looking at the Vikings, it seems a little bit weird to me. Um, so looking at it right now, you got Adam Thielen as your number one, but then you also got Stephon Diggs, Chad Beebe. Um, and then what we didn't see last year was a in, – induction of Dalvin Cook. It was more of the Latavius Murray kind of show. So what I want to know is how does that affect Adam Thielen? Because last year Adam Thielen was the number one wide receiver in fantasy for, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks straight where he had all those massive yardage seasons. So that just leaves me wonder, can he repeat that or is this something different? It's... It's interesting. For I mean, it's been a couple of years now where uh, a lot of Vikings fans, me and people who follow the Vikings, me included, have kind of been like, okay, this is Stefan Diggs' year. He's going to join like the elite top 10 receivers. And I think last year was the closest he's gotten to that. It was his first 1,000-yard season, but Thielen keeps trumping him, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, last year, he started the season, I, I want to say it was like nine straight 100-yard games, and he was as reliable receiver as there was in the NFL. Um, the thing that he has going for him that Diggs has not had for a while is health. Diggs, Stephon Diggs consistently misses time. Uh, I think he missed a game or two last year. He missed two or three games the year before. And Thielen just doesn't miss games. He's always on the field. He's always reliable. And he has a good rapport with Kirk Cousins. As far as you know, the splitting of targets... I think this year you're going to see him and Diggs take an even greater percentage of the targets than even last year because I don't like what the Vikings are rolling out in the receiving core outside their top two. Their top two are as good as any in the league, but I think their number three receiver is going to end up being Kyle Rudolph. I think number four is going to end up being either Dalvin Cooker or Smith, the rookie tight end. And then I think you're going to start getting into your Chad Beebe's and your Ola B.C. Johnson's. Uh, who's a rookie seventh-round pick, who has quite honestly looked way better than Chad Beebe in preseason getting run with the first team. So 
you know, I think the Vikings depth as far as pass catchers is not so strong that I am looking too far past Adam Thielen as the Vikings number one. Um, maybe Diggs, if he stays healthy the full year, he'll, he'll take a few more of those targets, get closer to that 100 catch, you know, 1100 yard mark. But for now, I'm all Thielen for the Vikings. And that's okay. big. Sorry, Kyle. I just had to throw this in. Um, when I say Adam Thielen's target share went down when he stopped being number one wide receiver in fantasy, it's not because he was a terrible wide receiver. It's because that was the changing of the guard from Del Flippo or to Del Flippo, one to two, and they decided they need to run the ball more. So it's, it wasn't so much against Adam Thielen as it was running the ball more. So, I mean, Thielen's a really good wide receiver, but I just, you know, I, I had to throw that out there for people who think that Thielen's going downhill. No, it's just because they want to run the ball more. So I still would trust Adam Thielen, but it's shaky at the wide receiver core. Yeah, that's true. And uh, John Filippo did not run the ball at all. It was to the offense's detriment. But early on in the season, it certainly helped Thielen. So I would say that maybe as far as total targets, you might see uh, some some decline from Thielen, but, you know, Kevin Stefanski working with Gary Kubiak, they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to run the ball a lot, but they're also going to throw the ball a lot. And Adam Thielen's still going to get his. They're going to scheme him open a lot, and he's just going to get open because he's an excellent route runner, an excellent receiver. Now, looking at the ADP, the average craft position, it does seem like people are kind of buying into what you're saying, that Thielen will be better than Diggs. They're going pretty close, though. So right now in PPR leagues, Adam Thielen has an average draft position of 2.12, and Stefan Diggs about a half round later, 3.07. So, uh, from what you're telling me, it sounds like you would take Thielen at the that you know end of the second over taking Thielen sort of middle of the third. Yeah, it's not by much because one thing Stefan Diggs does have, I want to say Thielen doesn't have it, but Diggs is kind of their red zone receiver much more so than Thielen. Uh, Diggs uh, uh, last year, the last year or the year before, was number one in the entire NFL in contested catches, and he's an excellent route runner in short yard situations. So the Vikings look Diggs way a lot in the red zone. Um, Thielen's the guy they go look to between the twenties far more than Diggs, but Diggs is their deep ball guy. He's their red zone guy. So as far you know, that touchdown and big play prowess makes it pretty close race for who I'd prefer in fantasy. In terms of raw numbers, I would prefer Thielen. And fantasy, I would slightly prefer Thielen, but it's close, just like the ADP suggests. And now, the complicating all this is, would you rather just have Dalvin Cook than either? Because, that, again, that's what the ADP is saying. Dalvin Cook's going 203, so early second. So if you had to choose between taking Cook early in the second or taking Thielen late in the second, where would you side? I would probably take Cook, to be honest. Um one the uh, the Vikings have done a decent job, in my opinion, of improving that offensive line. It was it's been a big problem in both the running and passing in the last couple of years. They drafted Garrett Bradbury in the first. Uh, they assigned Josh Klein to move pa- uh, Pat Elfline over left guard, and you've seen some nice results uh, with them. They're running a lot of heavy outside zone where they're not you know the offensive line doesn't need to get as big a push, and they're creating great cutback lanes for. Uh, mostly Alexander Madison preseason, but Dalvin Cook got two carries in their last preseason game. One of them went for an 85-yard touchdown. 
Dalvin Cook is excellent at reading those cutback lanes. Um, if they just give him space, he's going to flourish. And like I said earlier, I think he's probably going to be their fourth leading or third, fourth, maybe fifth leading receiver this year. Uh, he And with Stefanski calling the shots instead of Filippo, they will run the ball. And I, just, I, I think Dalvin Cook's if he stays, that's again, that's the big risk with Dalvin Cook. He missed basically his entire rookie season. He missed another five or six games last year. But if Dalvin Cook is healthy, I think he should be one of the more productive backs in the league. That's just whether or not you're willing to take a gamble on that health. But I'm willing to take a gamble on that health personally, and I would take him over either receiver personally. Well, I think I, I know I'm taking Cook there when I can. I've got him in a couple spots. Uh, but Thielen's the one that, to me, causes concern now the last two seasons he's had 142 and then 153 targets and you know we we talked about the the change in the offense last year do you think it's possible he gets back to that sort of 140 target plateau or i know i've been kind of seeing him more in the the 110 120 range what what, for thielen that is what what uh scenario do you think is more possible i would probably favor a slight reduction um 150 targets is just a lot for a team that has in their most recent good offensive season 2017 they were one of the most balanced teams in the league i think they were 28th in passing play percentage uh last year much higher uh they're there i think they're over 60 percent passing plays last year this year i figure they'll get back down into that much more balanced you know 54 56 percent range and because of that, I think he's going to see, I think his target, he, like I'd suggest a higher catch percentage, but I think you might see those targets decrease. Um, I, mainly because I think Stefanski with Greg Kubiak helping him out, it's going to be a more creative offense. The cousin's going to spread the ball around a little bit more, but Adam Thielen's still going to get his. He's still going to put up numbers when the ball's thrown his way. I just wouldn't be shocked to see it go from like, Instead of 150 targets, 110 catches to, you know, maybe 120 with 80-something catches. And I guess that's where my fear with Thielen is. It seems like Diggs can kind of score from anywhere. He, he doesn't have to have his touches necessarily manufactured. He doesn't have to have, a, a you know, 150 targets to, to put up a wide receiver one or close to that kind of season. So I know I was less worried with Diggs this year coming into the season as I am with Thielen, but... You're so you're still saying. I mean, you should see 120 targets. So it's kind of putting my mind a little bit more at ease with Thielen. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Diggs is certainly the the big play guy. He's, uh, you know, he's. But I mean, Thielen, they they work him down the field quite a bit too. Uh, you know, they'll uh, they'll work him in the red zone. They'll work him down the field. It's just Diggs is kind of when you see Cousins take those big play action shots, and it's almost always to Diggs. Um, he's he doesn't complete that many of them to be honest, but Diggs is the guy they kind of take those shots with. But Thielen's just he's so consistent, he doesn't need those huge plays to do it. Whereas I think Diggs' production oftentimes does come down to hitting one of those big plays every single game. Thielen's just he's steady and he's reliable, and you know what you're going to get from week in, week out. Okay, I mean, as far as that, that's pretty much the only questions I have for this team. I mean, the defense, um, I'm not trusting. Kyle, I would not trust them for a uh, waiver wire, you know, everyday pickup like you normally do. I mean, they only good 
bright spots of this defense is their secondary and their linebacker slash couple of linebacker positions. But um, in the words of Anthony Barr, this is not a good marriage. It's like going up to the altar and marrying the wrong woman. So <laughs> I would not trust this defense. Just uh, I think a- they're not a they're not a even when the last two years when they've been close to an elite defense, they've been one of the better defenses in the league. They've never been a defense to force turnovers. They're not they don't really get that many sacks. Uh, like Daniel Hunter had a lot last year. Everson Griffin had a lot the year before, but they don't really like line up with those big sack numbers. Um, they manufacture pressure effectively with blitzes, but they don't get a lot of sack. They're kind of like your classic bend don't break defense, and that would, that's what makes them really good. They keep the point values low, but they also surrender a lot of yards. As far as the secondary goes, I'm not trusting their secondary whatsoever. Xavier Rhodes has looked very bad all preseason, as has Trey Waynes. I think they might actually have a lot of liabilities at corner. Their safeties, I think, are excellent. Their linebackers, I think, are excellent. And their defensive line is good uh, for, you know, classic football situations. But as far as a fantasy value, I don't see it with the Vikings defense either. Yeah, and I mean, again, I'm always about streaming defenses, right? Uh, so I think, unfortunately, the Vikings kind of fall into that streaming category and doesn't look good the first two weeks hosting the Falcons and then going to Lambeau and playing the Packers. I don't really want to play that defense in either of those games. Week three, hosting the Raiders. That may be some potential there. We'll see how the Raiders face. And then week five at the Giants. That's definitely one where I think a lot of people will play them. Week eight, hosting Washington. So, you know, against bad offenses, even the week 11 versus the Broncos may be there. So, uh, but there's a lot of tough matchups. They play, I mean, they play the Chiefs, the Chargers. I mentioned the Packers already twice. You know, the Bears... As much as uh, Trubisky can turn it over, he can also put up a bunch of points. And uh, uh, I know firsthand that and even, no matter how bad the Lions are, it's still, the division games are still tough. The Lions play the Vikings very tough every single year. They put up they, Stafford puts up points on the Vikings. Yeah, exactly. I say with the Packers, and I mean, I, I mean, heck, the the Lions won what five games last year, and two of them were against the Packers. So it's it. Six, it yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter how bad they are. They still apparently have our number recently. But yeah, so it's just that the Vikings have a lot of tough matchups for for a non-first place schedule. I guess it's playing that AFC, that, uh, AFC West division isn't uh, isn't necessarily fun for defenses. No, not at all. I guess my last question is, uh, and you touched on this before, talking about the, the number three receiver on the team. I guess we asked as number three target, and you kind of alluded that it's Kyle Rudolph. Um, but how about the number three receiver spot, especially in in spread off in the spread option? Uh, who do you think is going to be on the field with Thielen and Diggs the most? Um, I th- I think they're going to start with BB. Uh, it's going to end up being uh, Ola BC Johnson. I think before too long. He um, he's just he's he's a seventh round pick this year. He's a rookie. Uh, I don't think they expect him to play as well as he has, but he's. He's just he's been up to the task in preseason and he's looked just he looked like a veteran already. And if he's if it's if he hasn't peaked already, if he's developing, then he, he could be a really solid number three receiver. And BB, frankly, he had a lot of hype coming into training camp because he looked really good in minicamp and Vikings fans were eager to get rid of Laquan Treadwell. Um, but he just hasn't looked good. He's dropped passes. He's misread defenses, resulting in incompletions and interceptions. I don't think they can rely on Chad Beebe to be a full-time number three. And 
I think it's I th- he'll start there because he's in his second year and Johnson's in his first year and Johnson's the seventh rounder. But I think before long it's going to be Olabisi Johnson. He's big. He's about six foot six one. He runs well. They've been using him as a power turner. He's got good hands. He works the sideline well. He can he can high point balls in the red zone. I think he's going to be the guy by you know week four. Do you think Brandon Zilstra has a chance? I know he's a former CFL player. I, I love I love all my CFL players, but uh, I know he made the team last year, and I, I thought maybe this year could be a breakout for him. Do you think he has a chance to be that number three guy? I think he'll make the team. Uh, last year he had, I believe, one target, which was, <laughs> yeah. was yeah, a special teamer. 23-yard reception. He's a good gunner. He's a big guy. He's fast. Um, you know, when he's playing with the twos in preseason, preseason he looks like he could be a good receiver. But I think they see him as more of a special teams guy. I, you know, he's got the tools, so I wouldn't be shocked if, like, over time they start giving him some more chances and he proves himself. But I would say he would be third on my list of Viking receivers to grab that three spot. Okay, then. Alessandro, any final Vikings questions for Sam? Nope. I'm good, actually. All right, let's get to the Colts. So, uh... Uh, has there been any? I know one thing we always ask is: there any breaking news? I think we we know that there was some breaking news regarding the Colts. It's going to be breaking news all year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's it's always developing. Um, so where do you want to start with this Colts team? Do you want to talk about Andrew Luck, or do you want to just go straight to Jacoby Brissett? Um, I, I, uh, not to be too dramatic about it, but uh, I, I'm still pretty numb to the whole Andrew Luck news. Uh, it's still pretty surreal to me. I was just uh, on ESPN.com looking at Paris Campbell's stats from preseason, and the number one article was Andrew Luck, preseason MVP candidate. So uh, it's still it still stinks a bit. So let's move on to Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> well, um, okay. So full disclaimer here. Our only true, true uh, data from Jacoby Brissett go, dates back to his time with the New England Patriots and that god-awful 2017 season when Andrew Luck was out. So, I'm not saying that the 20, 2017 season is necessarily a bad season. It was a terrible season, but I can't, um, in good conscience, go directly off of that um, for two reasons. One... That was the season he got traded from the England, New England Patriots to the Indianapolis Colts. So he didn't know that he didn't know the offense. He didn't know the defense. His offensive line was thirty second. Let's put it that way. Um, so he he had a lot of things going against him that season. But a uh, couple years under the belt now in the system, I don't see a massive drop off with Jacoby Brissett in terms of fantasy for T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, um, Eric Ebron, and so forth and so on. Um, I think they'll do about the same, if not a little bit less, just because it's not Andrew Luck, obviously. But um, I think Jacoby Percet is going to do a lot better than his 2017 season. And I think that he uh, will definitely improve. Um, I have him ranked uh, wide receiver, uh, not wide receiver, excuse me, quarterback 23 right now um just because i don't know where he how he is what state of mind he is because again we had andrew luck in so um tell us you know am i off base here or i'd say it's about right the thing 
I mean, 2017, it really is all we have to go on with Brissett as far as his just kind of like raw abilities. But again, he was thrown into a situation out of nowhere when it turns out Andrew Luck couldn't kind of suddenly couldn't play an entire season. Um, and that's it's not the same situation here, A, because he's been running with the first team all offseason. Uh, th- this has been his team since since April because uh, Andrew Luck hasn't played at all in training camp. Uh, B, the Colts roster is much better than they were in 2017. The offensive line is completely revamped. It was Jacoby Brissett and the Colts going 4-12 and that allowed them to, you know, draft Quentin Nelson, which has turned out pretty well for them. So Brissett's going to have time to throw. He's going to have some pretty good targets to throw to. I'm not so sure about the receiver depth, but I, th- I, I would agree that I don't see a lot of drop-off for T.Y. Hilton, especially because he's going to be a safety net, and Jacoby Brissett's going to look his way a lot. Uh, same goes for Ebron in the red zone. Uh, Ebron had, had a breakthrough year because he caught a lot of touchdowns last year. I think he, you can still count on him to be a, a big-time touchdown scorer, uh, with Brissett quarterback. It's where you kind of move down the depth chart with the Colts, like your Jack Doyles, your Paris Campbells, or your Devin Funches. I think Brissett throwing the ball instead of luck may affect them a bit more. Because um, I, I just, I don't know how he's going to uh, spread the ball around. Um, hold on, let me look at uh, one thing here. Yeah, so uh, um, like you look at uh, the 2017 Colts receivers with uh, Jacoby Brissett, Dante Moncrief, Chester Rogers. These are the guys he's throwing to. He's going to have some better targets, but those guys were all under 400 yards as the second and third receivers on that team. So I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't, you know, buy, buy. I wouldn't uh, sell high really on any of the Colts receiving depth. Uh, but I think Hilton and Ebron and maybe Doyle to a lesser extent. I'd still say they could put up some nice numbers here. The only thing I would say about that is um, Jack Doyle was on that roster in 2017, and he yeah, saw his way good. a lot. Yeah, he had a good year. They didn't yeah. have they didn't have Ebron then, but yeah. True, but here's the thing: I would say that uh, Brissett knows Doyle more than Ebron, so I feel like Do- uh, uh, Doyle is going to get more love than Ebron in terms of overall. But Ebron's de- Ebron's definitely going to get the red zone. Um, interesting stat. I was listening to the uh, fa- fantasy focus podcast that Matthew Barry, uh, Field Yates, the Funny Bell run. Um, they did say something interesting that I do want to ask you slash reiterate. When Andrew Luck was under center, they had more of the Marlon Mack show, but when um, Jacoby Brissett was there, it was more of the Nikhil Hines more of a running show. So whenever the Colts are behind, you guys do more of a run game. Whenever you're ahead, you do more of a passing game. Do you think that's true? Slash, do you think um, Marlon Mack will get more of the running um, routes and the heel hunters be more of the passing back? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's pretty fair. Naheem Hines was basically... I wouldn't say exclusively a receiver last year, but he had 81 targets last year as opposed to 85 rushing attempts. Whereas Marlon Mack was nearly a thousand yard rusher playing only 12 games. 
Um, I I I think Marlon Mack is a I want I'm not gonna say a safe bet for to be a thousand yards, but I'd say he's a pretty strong bet to guess he'll give you a thousand yards. And he's you know he's he's bigger than Hines. Hines is pretty. Uh, Hines is uh, I think Hines is like five nine maybe. Yeah, five nine, one ninety six. So Hines is really kind of more of that scat back, or as Max big guy, they'll use him inside uh, for short yardage situations inside the red zone. Uh, I think he'll, you know, he had nine touchdowns in twelve games last year. He's he's gonna be their running back, and Hines is really that change of pace third down guy who they use a lot. You know, in a PPR league, he's gonna he could be a nice weapon. Uh, but yeah, Mac is the runner, Hines the receiver. And it's almost exclusively that. Now, this might be weird to say, because I assume you mentioned, like, even guys like Hilton, they're not taking a big drop, but you're certainly not raising his value with Jacoby Brissett there. Right. Is is there any player that you think raises in value because Brissett's there and because they may not be as uh, as much of a, you know, a front-running team? Because I have one player in mind in particular. I'd like to hear what you say about it, though. Well, part of me wants to go with the running backs just because I feel like they're going to, like, the game plan's going to involve more running, but also they're not going to be ahead as much. So um, hmm. so they're probably going to have to be throwing the ball a lot more. Um I don't know who's you have in mind. I'm... Well, actually, and it's who Alessandro brought it up and who we're talking about now. But uh, I'd say Naheem Hines. Yeah, you know, that's what I was thinking. It, and my my mentality behind that is, you know, Marlon Mack did so well last year, but again, they were a team that scored a lot of touchdowns, and Andrew Luck was able to put them in positions to score often. And if they're behind and and uh, Mack doesn't really catch passes, I feel like that puts Hines on the field a lot more. Yeah, that's true. And he'll get involved in the screen game a lot more if they're involved in a lot of third and longs. And uh, he's a guy they can move down the field and also just check downs. Jacoby Brissett's going to check down more than Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck takes chances more than Jacoby Brissett will. Uh, so I guess that also, does that, in and what you just said there, that statement, he takes a lot less chances. Does that affect the tight ends, perhaps? Who, I mean, we saw Ebron score, what, 12, 13 touchdowns last year? Yeah, and and so, like, as a red zone kind of contested catch, sort of go up and get it kind of guy. So do you, do you see that touchdown number for the tight ends, and that would, that would count both Ebron and Doyle, decreasing because of Brissett? Um, I would guess that the touchdown numbers for Ebron are going to go down just because, you know, last year was his fifth year in the league, and he's never been that sort of just absolute touchdown machine. Um, I still I think he could get close to double-digit touchdowns. Doyle, I'm as I'm thinking about him more, I'm intrigued by because he's always been a reliable, like inside the twenties, over the middle of the field, you know, quick route guy. That I think, you know, you're gonna Brissett. That's the kind of guy Brissett can rely on. I think so. I'm thinking about him more, and I think Doyle actually may ultimately end up carrying more value than Ebron, even without the touchdowns, uh, just because Ebron Ebron's not really that reliable as a as a middle of the field player, like over the middle on deep passes up to seam. Yes, he is. But as far as like between the twenties, he's, he's pretty shaky. He doesn't have the best of hands. He's not the best route runner. He's just a really good athlete who can make really tough catches. Doyle's that guy who's going to be open a lot. So 
you know, I could I could really see Doyle actually putting up some pretty significant numbers with Brissett. And I mean, I, I know Ebron's still kind of being taken ahead of Doyle. So do you think that it's from what you're saying, it sounds like we should ignore Ebron and just target Doyle? I wouldn't say that just because, you know, Ebron is still, he's the guy they run deep. He's the guy they'll throw the jump balls to basically pretty much. I mean, Devin Funches can, is a big value, can make plays in the red zone. But as far as, you know, your fade routes in the red zone, that's going to be Ebron's job. So I, I think that touchdown potential is too great uh, to make me go uh, higher than Doyle, but I think it's probably closer than some people figure, assuming Doyle's healthy. He did miss some time last year. But, you know, PPR league, I think, yeah, Doyle's going to make it, uh, he could make it pretty close. Um, Ebron did have 750 yards last year, which is a just substantial for a tight end. I don't see him quite having the same type of year, though. His touchdowns are going to give him the edge over Doyle, but I think it could be pretty close between them. Another guy to consider, Mo Alley-Cox is a guy that they've, mm been pretty they've been pretty high on pretty effusive with his development he's a former basketball player who they've converted to a tight end which is kind of the way to do it lately and you know if you see he's like six five and can jump jump out of the jump out of the stadium if they start seeing some you know real red zone development out of him he could take some touchdowns away from ebron that's something to look out for earlier in the season how he figures into their game plan and I mean, just looking at ADP, for instance. Sorry, um, Ebron's going in again in PPR leagues, ninth round, end of the ninth round, and Doyle on at least on fantasy football calculator, they have it going till about the fifteenth round, and they don't even have them listed. So it's it seems like Doyle's kind of going free, whereas, and maybe this data hasn't necessarily fully reacted to the, the Andrew Luck news yet. Uh, and maybe he's not going this high anymore, but certainly it does still seem like Ebron's still being drafted and, and Doyle's kind of not. So I guess that's where the disparity is, right? Maybe we shouldn't be taking Ebron so early, but we should also be taking Doyle a lot earlier than what he is going. Yeah, I mean, he had 108 targets in 2017 with with Jacoby Brissett. He's, he's going to look his way quite a bit. He was their second leading receiver that year. Um as Ebron, Ebron's, I mean, I guess the best way to play is just Ebron's flash year. Ebron was a pro bowler last year. Ebron scores a touchdown, so that might play some part of it. But, you know, Doyle's, it's kind of like the Thielen Diggs thing in a way, in the sense that Doyle, you, you can kind of predict what you're going to get week to week, whereas Ebron is going to get those explosions. Like he had a three touchdown game last year. There are things like that that you just, that can win you a week. Um, Doyle won't have that as often, but he's going to be like you're more. He's not going to give you those zero point performances as much as Ebron could potentially. Okay, yeah, the the high floor of Ebron or high ceiling of Ebron versus the high higher floor of Doyle. Yeah, that's I'd say it's the simplest way to put it. Okay. Uh, now speaking of simple, this is a this is also a pretty simple equation here. Um, again, involving ADP. So this is again for uh, for full point PPR twelve team. Marlon Mack is going 410. T.Y. Hilton's going 501. So it almost seems like you kind of you can both you can take either in that in that range that they're going. Sam, if you had the choice between either, and again we'll put aside team builds and stuff, but just looking at those two players, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, who would you rather have? 
I'm very intrigued by Marlon Mack because just he's put up some really impressive numbers in limited limited time where I think there's a chance he could end up being a star this year with that offensive line. There's also a chance he, he's hurt and doesn't play very much. I'm, I kind of want to lean Mack, but at the same time, I'm not so sure that the Colts' offense is going to be in the red zone a lot to give him those high touchdown numbers like he had last year. Um, it's could it's possible I'm just underselling Jacoby Brissett and Marlon Mack becomes a star of that offense. Um, I don't know. It's tough because T.Y. Hilton's going to take such a lion's share of the targets, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I would favor Hilton slightly because Mack isn't a receiver. They're going to have Hines on the field, like you said, a lot, especially late in games. Um, I think he'll Mack will eclipse a thousand yards. Uh, he might he could get to double digit touchdowns. Um, but if you know they're they're using Naeem Hines for and giving him eighty targets again, that's going to limit Mack's value. So I'm going to favor Hilton by a very narrow margin. I think. Yeah, I definitely see Mack's carries going. I mean, again, 195 in only 12 games. That's quite. That's quite a lot. And if. Maybe we are selling this team a little short, but I don't think they're going to be in the lead as much as they were last year and afford to give him so many carries, especially as you mentioned, he's not a pass catcher, or at least not as natural as Hines is. So, yeah, I, I also kind of favor Hilton in that sense. I, I expect he'll get the lion's share of targets, as you mentioned. He should be the number one target on that team. Um, I mean, you know, when Brissett had him in 2017, he still was. So there's really no reason to think that he won't be the, the lead target. Alessandro, do you have any questions for Sam about the uh, the Colts offensive players? I do. I just want to clarify something. Did you guys talk about the number two wide receiver on this team? Or um, <laughs> not really yet. No. Briefly mentioned, but we haven't really answered that question per se. Well, then we need to answer that question. I know we were talking a lot about wide receivers and their dip-off, but I know Devin Funches is injured i I don't think he's still injured but i think he was injured at one point this season so for me that leaves the question ty number one who is number two is it funches or do you think paris campbell or you think chester rogers or are we looking at some kind of dark horse rookie uh, left field i i actually the dark horse rookie out of left field is kind of the area I'm looking potentially. He's not a rookie, technically. Um, I, it's going to be Funches initially, assuming he's healthy. He's dealing with a back injury, but they say he's going to be right for week one. Uh, Paris Campbell, I'm not totally sold on, but he has that very high swing potential because he's so freakishly fast. But he was kind of a gadget player, you know, sweeps, screens, whatnot at Ohio State. So I don't know how ready he'll be for that role. The one guy I could be looking at is uh, Deion Kane, who was a he was a six round pick last year, missed the entire season with the torn ACL. So this is his basically his rookie season coming up. He's looked he's looked very good. He's big receiver with who's very fast and he's got a pretty nice rapport with Brissett so far already. Um, I wouldn't say he's going to be like a you know five target a game guy right away, but he's a guy I'm certainly looking at who could take on that role because the other options are. Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers, who I am not buying in that role whatsoever. 
So I would say it's going to be Funchess initially, maybe Campbell. But if you're looking for a dark horse who could take that on a lens, Dion King. That's true. So you go ahead, Kyle. I guess Kane has the advantage. I guess maybe not so much this season, but I mean, last season, I guess last season, he tore his ACL. But I guess the idea was that, I mean, if he was on the second team and Brissett suddenly going from second team to first team, that he would have had that chemistry with him. But I guess, as you mentioned, Brissett's had all the first team reps pretty much in training camp the entire time. So I guess that's less potent. I, I mean, uh, I, what kind of first team reps were both Dion Kane and Paris Campbell seeing? Were neither kind of working with the starters? Uh, here and there, um, mostly second team. I think I, from what I saw, Kane was getting more first team reps than Campbell was. Um, okay. I think they're both they're both currently listed. They're on the depth chart. Uh, at their respective receiver spots behind Pascal and Chester Rogers. But, you know, Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal have their, you know, roles where they're going to give you, like, 200 yards a season, maybe. They'll return punts for you. I think that's where Chester Rogers makes the team is going to be as a return man. Uh, Pascal, a little more reliable as a receiver. But, I mean, it's their receiving core is not super deep, ironically, considering that they basically spent all of Andrew Luck's tenure drafting receivers who never helped them. Uh, but, you know, no bitterness whatsoever. Uh, they, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's why I like Kane because he's, he's a more, he's a receiver, you know, as opposed to a speed guy. He's a guy, he went to uh, Clemson and he was, you know, he was a dangerous weapon there and he's a, and he looked outstanding last year in preseason before he went out uh, with an injury. Um, you know, I see Campbell maybe needing some time getting up to speed as far as being an actual receiver because he didn't do that very much. Okay. Um, so I think we've answered everything about the <laughs> offensive players. I think we need to to, to manage. Um, so I guess let's get to the defense. Now, this isn't quite the same defensive unit that Brissett had, just like, just like his offensive line, right? I mean, it's something that's changed and improved. Uh, what do you think the outlooks are for this defense this season and then maybe the fantasy football implications of playing the, the Colts' defense? It's an interesting unit. It's built a lot on youth, um, which makes it a bit of a bit of an enigma in one sense. But we saw enough. Uh, signs from them a year ago that there's reasons for optimism. From a non-fantasy perspective, you are no, you basically know what you're getting from their linebackers. Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker are excellent linebackers. You pretty much know what you're getting from Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson. They're solid corners. And you know what you're getting from Malik Hooker and Clayton Gathers. They're solid safeties. Um, but then they, you look at the pass rush, a lot of youth, Kamoko Ture and Taekwon Lewis and Margo, uh, Marcus Hunt. Uh, and then Pierre Desir is probably, or not Pierre Desir, sorry, uh, Rocky Sin, their rookie second round pick, is probably going to start right away. Um, so, you know, who knows how that's going to go. He's looked very good in preseason. I don't know what to make of the Colts as a fantasy team. Um, they're not a huge sack team right now, except for maybe Justin Houston. Um, Jabal Sheard is still their starting end over Kamoko Ture. Uh, they're not a huge turnover team, except for Malik Hooker is a 
pretty good ball hawking free safety and they they're pretty deep at corner so that bodes pretty well um on paper though as as far as the fantasy defense i wouldn't rank them particularly high i know for fantasy defense i'm always about chasing the matchups I'm looking for not-so-good offenses that are turnover-prone themselves. Uh, they start week one against the Chargers, so I'm yeah, not that's... really... That's 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 definitely a scary offense that could definitely put up the points and cause some negative fantasy production. Uh, week two at the Titans, which on the surface may not seem like a great offense, but uh, you know when Marcus Mariota is playing at his best, he doesn't turn the ball over too much. I know the last couple seasons we... We saw a bit more turnovers, but if he returns to what he was, even as 2016 Marcus Mariota, then it's it's you know trying to bank on turnovers may not be the greatest. I, mean, I guess their starting offensive one of their starting offensive tackles is out for the first four games with a suspension, so maybe in ex- exploiting it there. But then week three you got the Falcons, so uh, I mean the Raiders week four maybe, but then Chiefs week five. So it's, it seems like the problem with the Colts is they can't get a stretch throughout their schedule where they're facing two-week offenses two weeks in a row, and it's really going to be tough to do anything more than just pick them up, you know, the week 10 when they play the Dolphins, maybe. Pick them up then, but they're coming off a game against the Steelers, so you're probably not rostering them. So it's, I don't know, they're definitely not a unit that I'm looking too much to to have this season. But I'm again, I'm pretty sure any team, as long as they have a good matchup, like they can certainly be worthy of being picked up any week. Again, I'm looking at that week 10 against Miami. So uh, yeah, it's uh, as you mentioned, if if they're if they're not producing that many sacks, that's really the one thing we look for fantasy defenses because at least a team that can provide pressure, it's sort of this consistent floor that even if they give up points and start having negative fantasy points in terms of points allowed, if they get enough sacks, that'll mitigate that to where at least you're not getting crushed with a negative score from your de- fantasy defense. At least but the if, one thing working for them, they get the Texans twice. Texans have one of the worst offensive lines. In the NFL, they get Jacksonville twice. Jacksonville not exactly a, a juggernaut offensive line either. Um, and Mariota's been a little more turnover prone the last couple of years than he initially looked to be. So maybe they the, the fact that their vision is far from an offensive juggernaut that maybe that boosts their value a little bit. But again, they they play Houston, then they play Denver, and then they got Pittsburgh, and then they play Jacksonville, then they got you know. New Orleans and whatever, what have you. They got a they got a pretty tough schedule as far as out of division opponents. Uh, yeah, I was going to say first place schedule, but they technically they didn't win the division. But uh, I know uh, Ben Pfeiffer, our former managing editor here, he as soon as they uh, beat the Texans in the wild card game, he changed the Colts name to the real AFC South right. champions. So that, I mean, um, they made the schedule assuming Andrew Luck was going to be there, and then they were going to be the Super Bowl favorite champions. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Alessandro, do you have any questions for Sam? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it all. Um, looking at the defense real quick, just to have them included, this is not definitely a streaming defense. It's definitely one of the weaker side defenses, um, though I could be wrong, um, just taking a look at it. But again, you know, just going over it, I'm not... Uh, not a big fan of it. I mean, it's definitely got a lot of power in the middle with Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker and Matthew Adams. But other than that, I'm not really too uh, high on this. They're kind of like, you know, 
your classic they'll they should be a pretty effective game day defense but they're not going to reward your your fantasy box scores yeah so uh, um i recommend streaming it kyle so (laughs) yeah exactly i unfortunately not a defense that i'll be targeting too often i know being in the afc south it's actually been a defense last few seasons i've picked quite a bit i think last year i was really high on them just because all those offenses were very turnover prone even the texans as much as they can put up the points watson does throw some picks from here time to time but uh, yeah i definitely don't have the same type of uh, enthusiasm with the colts as i did in previous years yeah you and me both okay well uh sam uh, is there anything that you want to mention about either the vikings or the colts before we leave um no i think i've covered everything i got all right well then um uh well sam why don't you give us your twitter account and talk about all the work that you've done i know you've released quite a few articles leading up to the nfl season so if you want to plug any of that work feel free yeah so uh you can follow me personally at sam c underscore smith you can follow I, I run the Vikings page, so that's at FPC underscore Vikings. I've uh, been doing national series with Ryan Edward Dorado where we uh, predicted every uh, uh, the outcome of every division. We finished that up today. And I'm also uh, coming to the home stretch of my series where I pick 10 players from each position group around the league and pick the three best, the four next, uh, like, Four players to take the next step, and three players who need to show some signs of life. Uh, I did tight ends this past week. Next week, I'll be doing receivers. So that's what I got going on. Okay, well, we appreciate it. I know you do tons of work for Full Press Coverage and Full Press NFL. So uh, from everyone at the Full Press Coverage family, we appreciate the, the hard work that you put in, Sam. Yeah, no problem. And, yeah, so everyone, this was Sam Smith. He, as you mentioned, the managing editor for the Vikings. But... Also a Colts fan, if you couldn't tell from the episode. Uh, so thank you for pulling double duty. I know yeah. something that uh, unfortunately happened, that seems to happen a lot at full press coverage. But uh, uh, yeah, so for anyone listening, uh, follow the podcast, this podcast that you're listening to at FPC underscore fantasy pod. And if you're not already, you can check us out on all sorts of different podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. So be sure to check us out at all those places. And, of course, on the Full Press Radio Network. Uh, these episodes will all be, apparently, Ian said he's going to uh, syndicate all these team-by-team episodes uh, during Labor Day weekend and do a bunch of marathons of it to prepare everyone for fantasy. So uh, you can have all this information about all these teams. So uh, be sure to thank Ian for that. Uh, and be sure to follow my co-host, Alessandro, at am underscore senator, myself at Kyle Senra at yama underscore ks uh so on behalf of sam alessandro i would like to thank everyone for listening to the full press fantasy podcast